Welcome to the HJ Talks About Abuse podcast, the podcast where we talk about sexual abuse cases in the hope that it will assist listeners in openly discussing topics which have been ignored for too long. This podcast is brought to you by the abuse team at Hugh James. We are lawyers, so we tend to speak about the legal aspects of abuse cases, but we aren't too shy to speak up about the broader issues faced by survivors of sexual abuse too. We hope that you find it interesting, but more than that, if you are a survivor of sexual abuse, we hope that you find our discussion empowering. Hello, my name is Alan Collins. I'm the partner who heads up the abuse team at Hugh James. I'm joined by my colleagues, Danielle Vincent and Hannah Hodson. Hi, Hannah. Hi, Danny. Hi, Alan. Hi, Alan. Hi, listeners. In this podcast, we are going to be talking about the implementation of the Online Safety Act, and in particular, protecting children from online pornography. Before we get underway with this podcast, I need to remind anyone listening that we discuss sensitive issues, probably revolving around child abuse and abuse generally, and understandably, you may be upset or troubled by the content. If you think you are going to be upset and troubled, then now's the time to switch off and go and do something else. Otherwise, please do stay with us. So, the Online Safety Act has now Become law, and this will basically implement ID checks. So anyone under the age of 18 cannot, in theory, access sites on the internet that they should not access. And the prime example is going to be pornographic. Merely confirming you are over the age of 18 to enter the site will no longer be sufficient. So I'm going to get you, Hannah, to give us a little bit more detail. Yeah, sure. So as you mentioned, Alan, the new act that has now become law asked to protect children online. So I think when it comes to accessing pornographic websites, there's going to be quite a few big changes and not just pornographic websites, but websites which have things on that children shouldn't be viewing. So they're going to be introducing new methods of age assurance, which I think is the biggest change here. So I think previously with pornographic websites and other such websites which are age restricted there wasn't a lot of resistance to get onto them if you are under 18 so I think if you click on these websites it was sort of just like a pop-up to say are you over 18 Mm -hmm. you click yes and then you're able to get in so I think the changes now I mean I think they're working on them but I mean Ofcom has said they're basically working with websites to put in different methods so I think the main methods they are looking at um, are sort of providing ID credit card checks to verify that people coming onto the website are over 18 mobile network operator age checks so I think that sort of relates to when people are using 4G and stuff if I'm correct Mm -hmm. in thinking that's what that is if you are under the age of 18 and you're accessing through a mobile network that network should know your age and it should in theory block you and facial age estimation so using cameras if people are accessing on phones laptops to basically analyze their face and estimate their age so I think if it shows a young person's face then it should be blocking people coming on so there's a lot of new different methods that are being introduced and they have said that as technology is developing and as it gets better the methods will also develop too so hopefully there'll be a lot more protection in place to stop children from accessing these types of websites. I was asked on LBC the other day how this is going to stop 
people being able to access demographic websites that are hosted overseas. And to be frank, I'm not sure that's been adequately um, worked out. Maybe it has, but it sort of escapes me because lots of these problems are about sites which are located overseas. And of course, the porn may be filmed overseas. The participants in the film may be overseas. And so there could be very little connection, if any, with the UK. And I'm curious, there's a good question that was asked of me on LBC as to how all this is going to work in those particular circumstances, because it's not clear to me. You've also got the instances when it's the dark web as well, yeah. you talked about mm. before, which is very much where you find the things like the deep fakes and things like that. Mm. We know from some of the notorious cases that we've had to deal with, the offender is British, he's sat at home somewhere in the UK, and he's looking at, want a better term, stuff that he shouldn't be looking at, but is being filmed thousands of miles away, yes. where um, the law's possibly different, the attitude is somewhat different, or the attitude is the sort of same. Law enforcement isn't necessarily up to what it ought to be. And so, you know, is this unfinished business, you know, with this piece of legislation, because it does need to be able to capture all of this. Um, you know, abusers don't respect geography, let alone boundaries. So, you know, is there going to be some kind of international cooperation so that something that's happening thousands of miles away that shouldn't be happening can be prosecuted here and can it be enforced whatever the court decides a couple of thousand miles away i think those are important questions but i don't know if thousand b have worked out the answers yet we don't know i can't i can't see that they have but maybe they have But I think it's important for our listeners that when we're we're talking about this and why we're talking about it, it, it's good to give a background that in regards to children and seeing pornography for the first time, when there's been surveyed, nearly a quarter had come across pornography by the age of 11 and one out of 10 were as young as nine. So when we're thinking about it like that, these implementations are very, very important. As you you say, Alan, we've recently talked about Voyagerism and things like that and you know being exposed to things at such a young age and social media how that will impact you know these children growing into adults when we're talking about figures like that that that's obviously why what we're talking about this as a topic is very very important and you know we acted successfully victims of offenses that have been committed online which this law should actually make a big impact to prevent from happening in the first place, but a lot of the cases that we've had have had this sort of international dimension where, you know, what is taking place is a long way away from where it's actually being directed. My concern is with this, is that the the methods of age assurance will clearly vary, as you say, you know, if it's overseas, that's kind of redundant, but here, the methods of age assurance. Now, Hannah, you've listed them for us so we can go through these, but reading these straight away, I have concerns with them because open banking, somebody could potentially be stealing one of their parents' credit cards if it's just a case of verification and no money has been taken off it. Photo identification, again, you know, when you think back to being younger and borrowing a sibling's ID that looks like you. 
not saying I did that, Alan. This is the way he's looking at me. Um, Here we go. (laughs) Facial age estimation, which again, it depends how good the tech is. Mobile network operator age checks, which actually my O2 does with, with some things, strangely. Credit card checks and digital identity wallets. I just wonder how successful that's going to be. Now, I know that I, I have a Monzo card. And actually, if you ever lock it out, you need to change your PIN or anything. They make you record a video that, a yeah. video recording. And each time that you do it, you have to say the words that they put on the screen. And it's different. And then you've obviously sent your ID to them anyway to open your bank account so they can cross match the face with it and when you open your bank account you have to film yourself speaking yeah so I guess they match it with that so if it was something like that I think that that could be a very foolproof way of of doing it it's really interesting that Monzo do that because they seem to really be the only company I've come across that do that and it is because I get what you're saying Danny I think this is a problem just in general with children and social media like think about it Facebook Twitter I'm sure they have age restrictions yeah but how many people still Instagram Instagram, I think is 13 yeah but but I think children are are much more savvy definitely from from when I was do you borrow your parents bank card I I mean you'd be quite brazen to do it but if there's no money being taken off it's just a a, a Mm. quick credit check a soft credit check is not going to show up on a credit report so I just wonder actually you know if it's the scenario that we've talked about with Monzo, I don't really feel there's a way that I would know mm. to fool it. And I think that's a very good way, whether that will be the type of, because that's all going to cost money for these companies to verify it that way. I think I'm probably being controversial here. The answer to a lot of these problems, because we've been speaking about offenders, sex offenders being able to change their names with ease. And this idea that there's a law that says you must not change your name, I think is fine, but I'm not convinced that it will make a big difference because sex offenders are so generally devious and they think they're beyond the law, so they'll probably ignore the law that says you can't change your name. Anyway, so leaving that little whinge to one side, the point I'm trying to make is that these problems could be partially resolved deep from an early age using their eyes, the irises and so on, are not going to change. Oh, yeah, yeah, it's a good suggestion. Yeah, yeah, it's a really good suggestion. So in the UK, there's a history, rightly or wrongly, of objection to people carrying ID cards, although in the Second World War, everyone did have to have an ID card. And that doesn't seem to create a revolution at the time. I think if people, you know, you have to be registered at birth, you have your, you know, everyone has to be registered at birth, your parents or whoever have to register you at birth. I don't see why we want to have all the advantages of this fantastic technology. We can't have iris recognition when we're born. And then as we go through life, if we have to do certain things that have an age requirement, you just look at the screen or the camera or or whatever. And then you're, oh, yes, that person's over 18, 21 or 16 or whatever whatever the age is. And yes, you were registered at birth as Fred Smith or or whatever, but you're now calling yourself Wendy Brown. But we know that and we haven't got a problem with that because we know the history, because mm. we can recognise you through yeah. iris recognition. I don't see why any of that would be would be controversial. And all these terrible problems that, um, that we're having with technology being misused in bad, serious ways be abated. 
Well, it seems from the statistics that Hannah's actually found that according to Ofcom, the majority of people, especially in regards to age restrictions, which you know, what we started talking about, 80% on average, higher women, not surprisingly, 87% of women and 77% of men were broadly supportive of the age assurances. But the biggest concern was, again, data protection and sharing personal information, which is, I think, potentially where you get the pushback on scanning irises. Some people just want to be off the grid, don't they, in that mm-hmm. respect. But, you know, it's a real potential thought there. Yeah. I, I guess the, the thing is, though, is that when you're thinking about putting in your bank details just considering a a relationship whereas you know you've got to you've got to prove your age that you're putting in your bank card or your credit card to watch porn sites for example if you share a an account with your partner I guess that that those are the concerns I'm sure that the average person would have but not you know that's kind of by the by when you think that the actual aim of this is to stop children accessing this and all the potential problems that can come from early access to pornography, well, especially I, if it's violent pornography. Well, I guess if a punter, one would better term, accesses adult porn using their credit card, they're not going to have any kickback, are they? Unless they're cheating on their partner. The primary yeah, focus the, is protecting children. Yeah, the primary focus is protecting yeah. children and providing you're not breaking the law by looking at something you shouldn't be looking at, you're not going to have any comeback, are you? Because you've got the right of confidentiality. You know, people have the right to look at things confidentially, provided they're not busting the law. Well, and also, if you think about it in certain countries, so, that you know, when I'm in Dubai, there's certain websites you just cannot access. Mm. And and I mean, when I'm out there, things like the Daily Mail, you, you know, if you're in that country, so much is blocked. So there's obviously the technology to do that. Mm. There's, there must be the technology to do that here in regards to you know, the dark web, obviously, somewhere like that country, you know, pornography is banned anyway. So the people, though, aren't getting those sites or unless they're doing it in a different way on the dark web, as I say. So there's clearly is wide ranging technologies in order to protect. Yeah. And I think as well, like just going back to if people wouldn't want to put their card details in, like there's clearly a lot of options. You don't necessarily have to put in your card details to verify your ID. So it's, you know, not necessarily having to put down something that you share with someone else so just get monza <laughs> just get monza yeah well i think we're definitely going to be coming back to this i think it's a, a step in the right direction that's been needed for a long time but i think there'll be more to come from there i think you're absolutely right so on that note i think it just remains for us to wish all good wishes for 2024 and to say we hope that you'll join us in 2024 so it's goodbye from me it's goodbye from danny Thank you for listening to this episode of HJ Talks About Abuse. You can subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or your favorite podcast player. If you'd like to speak to us about something you've heard today, we'd love to hear from you. Email us at aboutabuse at hjtalks.co.uk.